to start this episode with a very solemn apology to all the listeners. As you know, 2020 was a very difficult year for all of us. You, we saw the transformation of America into a place that we didn't want to be. And as a result, uh, I fell into the world of Avatar. Um, I used Avatar as a means of escape. I watched it nearly every day in 2020, sometimes multiple times in a day. And I said, I can't live in America, but I can live in Pandora. So I painted myself blue and ran around with a loincloth uh, because nobody was in the streets. Nobody could see me. Eventually forgot that this podcast existed. Turns out there's a specific type of schizophrenia you can develop (laughs) from just being from liking Avatar too much. Uh, I didn't have one of those cool tentacle braids so i tried to just plug my dick into things <laughs> uh, that didn't work and i tried to do uh the equivalent of vulcan mind meld or whatever the fuck they do in that movie and it just never worked because there was nobody ever around i was just in the streets painted blue nearly naked just uh, fucking cartwheeling and growling at cars that i'd see or hissing at cars that i would see i've gotten the requisite mental health uh care that i've needed and i wanted to take this time to apologize to you, the listener. We forgot about the show. I forgot about the show. And these two, the other two hosts of the show couldn't find me because I was painted blue and I was running around in the canyon near my, my apartment <laughs> trying to commune with animals. Uh, now, <laughs> I was good. I mean, the natural conclusion to this is bestiality, obviously, <laughs> because like I'm trying to plug my dick into things. And that's and, the show. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> good night, everyone. I tried to fuck. I've tried to fuck a coyote. This bit's really get away from you. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is what happens when you don't write. You just don't write anything, and you fucking just fucking go for it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> welcome, welcome to No Concessions, <laughs> your favorite movie podcast, where we where we talk about a sub sub genres of film. Uh, this, this week's sub genre is: uh, Did people really develop schizophrenia from watching this? Or we're reviewing 2009's Avatar uh, by James Cameron as a sort of reintroduction to the show. What we do here is. We have an opening segment where we uh, talk about things. I don't know. Not the review. Then the middle section is the review. The final section is no concessions where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite media. Now, uh, (laughs) after the bit got away from me, it's been a while since we've been here. Uh, I want to introduce my uh, hosts, co-hosts, Charles. Yes, I'm here. Again, <laughs> and Charlie, I'm also still here. Yeah, I've speak. actually never left the apartment since we recorded the last episode. I've just been sitting silently in the corner. Oh, so you saw me painting myself blue, <laughs> just in low power mode. <laughs> Patreon's back. Um, Patreon.com/slash No Concessions. Go on there. Uh, the episodes will be posted there, as well as like the bonus material that we're going to be covering and all that other good shit. Uh, so far, there's not really think anything planned. Uh, we're kind of trying to do uh, the show in seasons um, just because I have a lot of stuff to do, um, like recover from <laughs> schizophrenia I develop. <laughs> sometimes sometimes I still hiss at people. They'll say something to me, and I'll just hiss. It's a really bad reaction. But, yeah, uh, things will be getting back up, up there. And, like, some of the old content is being, like, reissued 
So uh, it'll be fresh for people who are new or are rediscovering the show and want to hear some old shit or whatever. But anyway, uh, on to the show. Uh, because we haven't recorded for so long, um, let's talk about a few things that we liked from the last uh, few years. Uh, after, after, Let's start with you, uh, Charles. So a couple things that I watched over last since we last recorded that like I did really enjoy. I enjoyed the Pixar film Turning Red. It's just very charming. The uh, animation is like places are starting to do interesting things with animation again um instead of trying to like look as realistic as possible uh the thing that like got me about toy story 4 it was like okay i see what you're doing pixar all your environments and textures look really good if like photorealism is what you're going for congrats you got there you could do it um but it's boring turning red is kind of moves away from that like it does more things they're like a little bit more liberal with um, like proportions liberal <laughs> <laughs> with proportions like doing more squash and stretch style animation like really like making things dynamic and interesting mainstream movies were really doing before um and even since until like very recently um into the spider-verse um i've also that's also why i've been meaning to see um the latest puss in boots movie because it looks incredibly animated as well um, complete opposite end of the spectrum. I saw the Northman and did not enjoy it the first time I watched it, but I watched it again and it grew on me. Oh, okay. Uh, it's definitely like the, the way the story is told is definitely like it. I feel like it's like kind of slow and meandering on purpose. And I think once you like know what's happening, it's easier to get into how, like how the story is being told like and what's happening well did you ever see the witch no that's the same director and that's like clearly a well-made movie and very on point with its like period piece mm-hmm. aspects i just didn't really like care for it that much yeah northman looks like it has more going on though it definitely does um it does there's like the ending is kind of weird but it's like it's an enjoyable film it's just long it's long as shit so it's like you got to be prepared to watch a longest shit movie but um longer than avatar though i mean could anything be (laughs) yeah avatar three uh more recently i saw glass onion enjoyed it a lot i hope to keep making those it's just it's just fun it's a fun one it's like i don't know if it's if it hits as hard as the first one as the first knives out but it's different like deliberately very different um, story-wise. And I think it works. And I hope they just keep putting Daniel Craig and his fucking Foghorn Leghorn accent into different situations <laughs> forever. <laughs> and I say, I say. I watched another Disney movie, uh, Encanto. Um, cried during it. It's very emotional. Uh, a lot of a lot of family trauma, addressing family trauma. And... Um, you know, just old people and their unwillingness to apologize and how that tears apart families. <laughs> Real fun. Um, then last, these last two are right, definitely like right up my expected alley. Uh, the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Super fun. Uh, probably my favorite superhero movie that's come out in a while. And then uh, Venom 2, which is not a good movie. <laughs> but it is fun to watch. It's a tight 90 um tom hardy's having a good time and uh carnage looks good didn't look as good in the theater 
definitely looks better <laughs> in post. <laughs> like with the, you know, they definitely touched up those effects uh, for the whole media release because uh, looks great. It's fun. He makes a blood tornado in a jail. Like it's fucking sick. <laughs> Is that everything? Yeah, that's it. I didn't want to put too many things on the list. So oh, that's fair. Uh, so I have a few shows that I saw. First is The Peripheral, which is a show on Amazon based off William Gibson's book by the same name, I think. I didn't double check that, but I think it is. We don't research here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the issue with his books is that they're written as though they're from a parallel universe where the genre that he's writing in is very well understood. So that, that was kind of <laughs> like the same thing with Neuromancer when he wrote that, how it's like, it spawned the entire cyberpunk genre, but it was written as though everyone knows what cyberpunk is. (laughs) So the peripheral had a bunch of really neat new takes on kind of like how it approached time travel and uh, kind of like the extra sort of technology sprinkled into it just for like for context. There's two parallel timelines. There's one that takes place maybe like in 2030, so near future, and then one that takes place in like 2070 and then there's a character, a few characters who travel back and forth between those two. So there's like lots of technology in it and not every single thing is like explained. It's just these gadgets that people use. So from like a world building point of view, I think it was really fun. I, uh, I, I fuck with the peripheral. I like the show, but the biggest issue that I have with the time travel aspect is that when they go into the future, it doesn't look like the future. Right. It doesn't even like it. It just looks like London. And to some degree, I understand that. Right. Architecture is not going to change. I mean, the things that they use to like cycle out all the carbon in the air are pretty cool. Like the, the, uh, here's a, here's a $5 word, bro, Brobdignagian, <laughs> uh, air processors or whatever are cool. That's like a cool aspect of it. But like a lot of, because I'm sure it's there to save money, like it, it doesn't have like a cohesive, future theme it just looks like london you know what i mean yeah i okay so here's something that took off last year that nobody wants to hear about anymore metaverse okay (laughs) so what if the people in the future just built all their architecture in virtual reality because at least it seems from like the 2070 point of view everyone has these little like i don't know eyeball replacements or eyeball enhancements that let them like, you know, make zoom calls with each other, but through their mind and then see holograms and stuff. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Metaverse was a zero interest rate phenomenon. We're not going to be hearing about that again for a long time. (laughs) Also there, there is an argument to be made for houses and places like that in the future being kind of like a sign of wealth where, You can imagine at that point in time, 3D printers to the point where you could print a building for cheap are ubiquitous. And so things that are easily accessible to everyone are no longer capable of being seen as a status symbol, but something that takes like actual labor and effort to build. Like, you know, the one of the rich guys houses from the show is like something that looks like an old library and like everything's wood. It's like, oh, well, clearly this shows that this is like an affluent person. Yeah, I mean, what what if we instead um, tried to do something like neo-brutalist architecture? Oh, that doesn't exist. Take brutalist and make it futuristic. 
right? Or at least try to express that we're in the future. Not everything has to look the same. You know what I'm saying? But I understand we're, we we'll we'll continue. I could do this forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, there's the boys slash Peacemaker, which I just liked because it's superheroes, but it's not Marvel. I hate Marvel. I don't like anything they've done in the last like five years. Uh, so those are fun. I, don't, I mean, it's different. Even though I hate Marvel, it's like I keep going back to it because like I want to like superhero stuff because I'm a child secretly on the inside. Uh, I just can't really stand what, what they do anymore. Moving on, uh, there's the menu, which came out late last year, 2021, which had an interesting production life cycle because the initial like teaser trailer for it made it seem like just kind of a straight thriller horror movie where these people go to this hard to get into restaurant and sinister things are happening and you kind of expect like some nonsense saw tier stuff to like happen at the very end of like, Oh, they're serving people to the restaurant goers. <laughs> so even though it looks like it's a scary type of movie, the writers are like ex onion writers, like just straight comedy people. So you kind of like, go into it thinking, is there going to be any kind of humor in it? And it ended up being this like very dry humor uh, take on just like, let's tear down some rich people. Let's have some fun with that. Uh, so that was a good movie. So one of the interesting things that I heard about the menu was John Leguizamo said he based his character on Steven Seagal. And that's, that's, that's like, that seems incredible. Uh, next up is Dune, which I'm just glad they greenlit for a part two because it takes some balls for the director, not just to shoot the first half of a story without locking down the second half, but to go all out. And in the title card in the movie, say Dune a subtitle part one, <laughs> but I love everything he's done. Did blade runner 2049 arrival prisoners. Uh, so he hasn't missed yet. And uh, as far as I know, they already finished shooting on the second Dune, and he knows what his next project is going to be. Uh, it's another sci-fi movie. It's based on a book called... It's not more Dune? There's so many Dune books. <laughs> yeah, you know, they'll. here's what's going to happen. If I don't see a teenage boy get en- <laughs> encased in worm and live for 10,000 years, I won't be satisfied. <laughs> if Dune 2 does well... They'll green light it for being a franchise and everything will be bad again. (laughs) That's the only thing we want. Yeah. Uh, And then the last thing was a surprise favorite movie of the year of mine was Top Gun Maverick because everything about this movie screams like I'm going to hate this. It's a sequel that didn't need to exist, you know, two or three decades after the first one came out. Starring an aging movie star who just wants to be relevant and nothing about the story is compelling in like any new or unique way. And then I saw, by the way, they filmed all the jet fighter sequences in real jets. So I hear that and I go, huh? Okay. That's kind of interesting. Let me go check this. Whoa, this is the craziest movie I've seen in probably the last five years. Uh, so, um, Top Gun Maverick, if you too were skeptical about it and didn't see it, 
one of the 10 people in the world who didn't because it made like one and a half billion dollars. <laughs> Hell yeah. You should definitely see it. Honestly, uh, it, that's like that movie is part of the genre that spawned the show. Like old men still useful to society. <laughs> but the way they do it in that movie is so much better because they're basically like, dog, you're the only one who has experience doing this in like combat. So we have to we have to have. You. I mean, Tom Cruise gets a speech really early in the movie of you are too old and you're not relevant to the stuff the military does anymore. Yeah. You're just living on borrowed time because a friend of yours <laughs> called in a favor. <laughs> Shout out to Val Kilmer. R.I.P. He's alive. OK, he's just got throat cancer. I think he's uh, in remission now. Oh, that's good. Well, good for him. I, uh, you know, I, I retract that. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, he'll be back in Top Gun three. Maverick two <laughs> underscore Iceman. Uh, unlike my uh, esteemed colleagues here, I've legit been only watching terrible shit and TV. Um, so I'm going to go through some of the, the highlights here over the last couple of years. Uh, White Lotus. Fantastic. Uh, it's like a comedy about um, somebody being murdered. Effectively. It's like it takes, it takes place at a resort in Hawaii the first season. The second season is in Italy. I haven't watched that yet. The The first season is in Hawaii, and it's kind of just like this comedy about the resort, but somebody gets killed. Uh, and people people are like rediscovering Jennifer Coolidge. She was the MILF from American Pie. Yeah. And she's like, she's fantastic. And it she does the thing that she is famous for and just being like a dumb bitch. <laughs> so she's, she's uh it's, it's fucking fantastic. Another show that I really enjoyed that I didn't think I was going to was uh, Only Murders in the Building, which is, oh, God. It's with um, Selena Gomez and Steve Martin. Steve Martin. And, yeah. Martin so, Short? Yes. Is that Martin Short? Yeah. Yeah, it is Martin Short. Uh, it's, it's, it's effectively like a true crime podcast. It's these two old guys who do a true crime podcast about a podcast or about a murder that happened in their building. And it sounds obnoxious, and it is, but it's really enjoyable to watch. It's funny. Um, it's cute. And I like mysteries. Mysteries are fun. Another highlight, uh, too, that have already been mentioned, Peacemaker and the Peripheral. Fantastic shows. Peacemaker, because John Cena in it is like incredible. <laughs> surprisingly good. He's in that show. so funny. He, the show, he just plays like some jacked asshole with like an incredibly racist father. And like he, oh man, it's a really good show. If you haven't seen it, you should probably check it out. It's fucking, it's great. It's only nine episodes. You got the time. It's great. Yeah. And the last the highlight as far as TV goes is um, Reacher. So it's about the it's, Alan Richson one. yeah. Yep. Uh, the, the two Tom Cruise movies are not good. Uh, <laughs> I watch them from time to time because I do like, uh, kind of like the noirish feel of the show, uh, or the movies where it's just kind of like this guy trying to figure out shit and he's like a hobo or whatever. Yeah. But the show with Alan Richardson, 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 I think Richardson, I don't know. It, Alan rich because he's very wealthy now because of the show. <laughs> Uh, the version of the show is so much better because he's fucking gigantic. He's so big. Like I hadn't seen him in a while. So he, uh, he played Aquaman on Smallville <laughs> fucking 20 years ago. Hell yeah. And then he, more recently he was on, um, Titans as Hawk, but like, because he's in a suit, you can't really like in a superhero. suit, you can't really tell how big he is. And I saw the ads for reach. I was like, holy shit, this dude got jacked. Yeah. He was already like tall and muscular, but he's huge in that. 
Yeah, he's fucking. He's like just some fucking six four jacked man who's like beating the shit out of these people in a small country town, and it's so fucking cool. They do a lot of fight choreography in the show, and one of the things that really annoys me about fight choreography is if you watch a lot of movies that have fights in them, they cut like as a method of like disguising the hits, yeah, because it doesn't look like somebody's getting hit. the The fight choreography is done to the point where there are they minimize the cuts that are in there. Like the cuts are used to like kind of just change angles on the person yeah, who's getting but fucked up, doing everything in camera. Exactly, and it's it's a really enjoyable show. Um, the stakes in the show are great. I I really fucked with that. Oh god, it was really cool. The Batman, incredible movie, yeah, top notch. Um, not, I, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm kind of like over superhero media Yeah, and this one, even though it was more grounded, uh, I don't, the, the biggest problem that I have with this, sh- the movie is like the politics of it where it's effectively like big fan of, uh, the Batman. Uh, it's, it's like a very well done movie and among all the superhero media that I've seen, it's not like full of CG like fuckery. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like DIY Batman. Yeah, it was I like very that grounded. It. it was like, fucking cool, the man. The cinematography in the Batman is like really interesting and like dynamic in a way that like you know, most of the MCU stuff was like it's wide shots and it's close-ups and like there's not really any in between. They're not doing interesting things with the shots. And when they are, it's cuz they're like it's all green screen nonsense. Um like in Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Um but yeah, the Batman like just the way that the camera is used is like really affecting in all the times so like take some really interesting shots the score is also like michael giacchino who like is an incredible composer i'm glad that he's like doing a lot more he did the score for the incredibles but he also did the score for the first spider-man mc spider-man movie i don't know if he did the other two but he has like a very bombastic style but like it can also switch like being very atmospheric at the same time and i think it like really comes through in the batman just how dynamic his uh songwriting is and like it really enhances a lot of those moments yeah it's a it's a fantastic movie um probably one of the better superhero movies that's come out in the last several years honestly i would say like of all the superhero movies the batman movies have been the most consistent over the last like several years yeah like fucking Thor's tone switch on the third one mm-hmm. and then the fourth one. It's just like, uh, uh, fuck it. We'll talk about all that shit some other time. Um, some of the low lights I will say are, <laughs> uh, I watched the Jurassic world trilogy dog shit, <laughs> awful movies. Like there's a scene, uh, like part of, part of what makes the Jurassic park movies good is they have like a sense of whimsy, or I guess yeah. the first and the second fir- one. The first two, for sure. The, the the third one is kind of just like boilerplate shit. But the first two, they have like a sense of whimsy. Um, it seems like a broader world. It seems like, um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I'd have to watch them again so I could say something more thoughtful about them. But the issue with um, with the latter movies is it it tries to make a point. It tries to make several points throughout the movies, like mm-hmm. talking about, the movie in reference to the broader world outside of the movie. And it just comes across as very clunky. Yeah. And like, it's not, the movies aren't like whimsical or fun either. Like there's a scene of, um, like a volcano erupts. I want to say in the second one, maybe the, yeah, it's, it's the second one. It's the second one. And there's like a brontosaurus being burned alive on the beach. 
at the like as like the humans escape on boats and i'm like this movie's not fucking fun dog what this is horrifying what is this supposed to like what remark are you making here and like are you if you're if you're saying like if the message of that scene in itself is animals burning alive is bad okay sure but like i agree you don't want animals to burn alive we were already there before you like did it like we all believed that (laughs) yeah dude like but is it like is there a broader message here are you saying like animal cruelty in itself is bad like you shouldn't have trapped these animals on this volcanic island in the first place as an active volcano and then like the rest of the movie is not about that either. Like it's it very quickly switches. We're selling dinosaurs now, but also maybe we cloned a person. And then the movie's not even about that. Like <laughs> that's the most insane part. They just kind of there's a cloned human, and it's just like hold on, no, like I what you have to backtrack for right, me because that is a logical extension. If you're able to create dinosaurs from fragmented dna then obviously the technology must also be to the point where you could clone people and like there are moral implications to that they're like real a real reckoning society would have to have with the existence of cloning on the scale that like a park like jurassic park and jurassic world could exist to the point of ubiquity that it's at by the time of jurassic world like the whole premise of that movie and then they introduce like human cloning and then don't do anything with that yeah instead they opt to go with like the ultra dumb guy route where it's just like chris pratt riding a horse like fucking rodeoing dinosaurs and shit and it's just like no this isn't interesting this is not the interesting part of the story if you why even have the clones why even have the clones see your mistake is thinking that a mainstream hollywood blockbuster movie was going to have something interesting to say in the first place (laughs) any type of nuance that's true. I fucked that up. That's me. That's my bad. My dumb ass. Uh, the Invitation. Horrible movie. We'll do a review for that one, I think. Oh, because I liked that one. Wait. The Invitation? The one where the guy invites all of his friends over and then no. hilarity ensues. Oh, no. That's like the web movie? Is uh, that? No, 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 no. What I'm talking about is the vamp- vampire vampire movie. Oh. I never saw Spoil, that. Spoiler alert. Okay, well, I, I have a different invitation that's actually good. Okay. All right. We'll have to... I'll, I'll circle that back That one's with you. definitely worth doing a review episode on. The the invitation, the one yeah, you like. Yeah, the, the invitation, not the invitation. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Okay, when I say the invitation, I'm talking about the invitation, not the invitation. Yeah. Because one of those is good. It's the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, watch the... I watched Sicario Part 2, whatever the fuck that's called like day of the soldado fucking awful movie yeah the first <laughs> one was better also same director who did dune and blade runner 2049 yeah the first one the first one has like a really good exploration of what it means to like employ uh mercenaries it, to do work for the, the american uh cia or whatever group it is like that's really interesting the second movie is basically the second movie effectively is just like Somebody, whoever wrote it was just like, what happens, what happens if the CIA actually fucks up and like the whole plot is engaged because the CIA fucks something up or whatever fucking group it is. They fuck something up and then kidnap this girl (laughs) and then fuck it. It's just the whole plot is basically like, oopsies because some terrorist attack happens and like the the u.s is just like oh the cartel is helping fucking jihadists get over the border and blow things up or whatever and yeah, like, that was a plot of call of duty modern warfare 2 oh was it 
Oh, well, whoever whoever wrote uh, Day of the Sicko or whatever the fuck uh, <laughs> fucking loves Modern Warfare 2. That shit sucked. Uh, Sandman, that show sucks. Sandman, fucking awful. Um, it, the show meanders and jumps around in time a whole bunch and like tries to prove different points. There's a whole episode that's basically torture porn that I had to skip. And I was just like, dude, what are we doing, guys? Yeah, for what? whom? Who is yeah. this for? Dude, it was like, I was just like, bro, like, yeah, fucking. Take, take me back to the burning dinosaur. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> uh, the last show, I don't know why I did this to myself, but it's um, Tulsa King with Sylvester Stallone. He's the, he plays like a mob guy who was exiled from New York and is living in Tulsa now. And he starts his own crime thing. Okay. And I watched like seven or eight episodes of this thing. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> this show's terrible. It's like uh, more fucking animal style thinking about like how life functions. He just like starts. Extor- he Martin Starr is in it, and he like he walks into this legal weed business after having been in prison for like fucking fifty years or however long twenty years, and he's just a seventy year old man who walks into this fucking shop and is just like extorting Martin Starr. And Martin Starr just goes along with it because he's like a dumb guy or what. I don't even know. I think the meta commentary of the show is just like, um, and this is a lot of media now, now that I think about it. It's like the meta commentary is like young people are stupid. The only people you can trust are yourself. Uh, the old generation is, are the people that you could trust. Just kidding. Uh, you can't trust them either. Trust yourself. And that's like a lot of media. Like you can't trust any structure. You can't trust your friends. You can't trust that you only. It's like this whole uh, the whole idea between like be, uh, behind like frontier masculinity. Yeah, just aggressive individualism. Yeah, uh, everybody's got to be atomized except for the team that you build. You can trust them because you <laughs> built that team until you can't trust them. Like I don't know, that just fucking sucks. Uh, and that's that's for the most part everything that I've been watching. We'll get into the review of 2009's Avatar after the break. I don't remember how I used to do these. I didn't listen to any of the old episodes. <laughs> so, like riding a bicycle. <laughs> This week's subgenre is, can people really develop schizophrenia from watching this movie? This week, we're reviewing 2009's Avatar, directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron, produced by, surprise, James Cameron and John Landau. That's interesting. Starring Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Stephen Lang, Stephen Lang, Stephen Lang, Michelle Rodriguez, and Sigourney Reaver. Cinematography by Mauro Fiore. Released on December 10th, 2009 in London and December 18th, 2009 in the U.S. with a runtime of 162 minutes. This movie had a budget of $237 million and a box office of $2.923 billion. Yeah, part of that. They stacked the deck on that one. They, really, they keep re-releasing exactly. it. Exactly. That's uh, a little bit of a cheat. I don't think they should be able to count that. If you take out the re-releases, I'm pretty sure Endgame made more money than Avatar did. But I just think it's funny that a movie with absolutely zero cultural impact is the movie that's made the most of anything of all time. What do you mean zero cultural impact? 
who cares about Avatar? Nobody was even talking about it until Avatar 2 was like actually announced as coming out. You know, other than the schizophrenic people, you yeah, know, who was talking about Avatar? <laughs> uh, me and me, me and my support group. Uh, uh, that's interesting. I didn't. I I've never thought about it like that. When I think about Avatar, I think the impact that it's had is largely on the VFX industry, like things that don't touch broader culture in the u.s because honestly the story the story isn't even like a thing the story doesn't really matter in the movie and there's not like memeable moments i mean that was even before people (laughs) did that yeah you know this is late late 2009 early 2010 yeah but even with something like um the matrix everybody recognizes neo doing the fucking bullet time thing and that was placed in a lot of different media at the time. Like I'm sure Simpsons did something like that. Futurama did something about it. Yeah, Bullet sure Time kind of permeated everything else. Shrek after. did it. Yeah, Shrek, Shrek did it. Um, but with Avatar, there's nothing that you could take from that movie and put it in something else right. other than big blue people. There's yeah, nothing I, particularly iconic about any part of that first movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a theory about that. It applies to the first one and to the second one and to all the other ones that are going to come out <laughs> December 20th, 2024. Avatar three is going to get released. Uh, I think it's wrong to look at these as movies in the traditional sense. I think the reason they made so much money, like, okay, the first one coming out and being quote unquote original and being the highest grossing movie of all time, you know, whatever. It looked amazing, and I can kind of see that. The second one coming out, and then being the number three highest grossing movie, clearly there's some sort of trend going on. And I think that's because rather than these being movies with like a story being told, it's more accurate to look at them as theme park rides, where it's you're going it, you're going to see the movie to experience being on Pandora for three hours. And that's why all the shots are so indulgent with kind of the effects. Indulgent the story, is the perfect word. Yeah, the story is passable. It's something that basically anybody of any culture can identify with. And it's really just so well done to like a fine surgical point of view that there's really nothing wrong with it other than, well, you know, it's not really a, complicated story but it's an enjoyable story and yeah you're you're going to see it because you want to get transported away it's like the most well done spectacle cinema that i think is ever been made honestly you know what i forgot about the other cultural impact that avatar had it's 3d it, it yeah. created a cottage really industry pushed, pushed, yeah um, but and then I, nobody did it as well as Avatar did. Uh, well, that's not necessarily true, sir. Uh, as somebody who has a background in post-process 3D, I can tell you that um, the process got better after Avatar. But um, the capitalism kind of uh, shot 3D in the foot because companies were trying to figure out how to produce it faster and faster, got lazier and lazier. Uh, but the reason why I bring up 3D is because it helped immerse people in the world of Avatar. One of the things that the 3D did in that movie was it added depth to everything, right? You're not just sitting in a theater. You're looking through a window. And it kind of, it helped immerse people in Avatar, the world, so much better than a lot of other movies who did 3D. Um, Because, I mean, effectively, when you find something cool, 
something niche like 3D, the immediate thing is like the entire industry is paying attention. How do we all capitalize on this? And everybody thought part of the reason why Avatar was successful was because it was in 3D. Yeah, not not the incredible amount of like crafting done to every single shot to like make everything look visually engaging. It's exactly. the, no, it was in 3D and people like that now. Yeah, exactly. Which is why Green Lantern and Thor were released in, in 3D. <laughs> yeah, and that's why two of the Transformers movies were done in 3D. Yep, uh, the, the second and third one. Yeah. Yeah, 3D, t- uh, 3D TVs were popularized at that time, too. Well, they were trying to be popularized, but they were fucking... This TV that I have in my living room is fucking is a 3D TV. It's one of the first ones. Technically, it's supposed to be a computer monitor, but it's one of the first ones ever released. Does JVC even make TVs anymore? I don't know. They might not be around. They this is this is literally one of the TVs we had in the office, and this is the TV stand that it was on. But the monitors that I have over there are passive 3D over as well because they were old enough. They're old enough to have been 3D. But yeah, I mean. 3D, I think, uh, came and went as it should have, and it doesn't. It does add to the experience, but the way that people were using it didn't really make sense for yeah. for really anything. Yeah, like, it wasn't like genuinely taking advantage of the medium of three like 3D films. It was just like it was the same novelty that it was in the 50s. Like that's how a lot of yeah. places were using it. <laughs> Ooh, what if something flew at your face? Oh. oh yeah, yeah I, I remember back to like all the movie trailers from that time period where a part of the trailer is showing fake people in a fake audience looking at the movie that you're currently watching a trailer of and then someone's arm just reaches out of the screen. And everyone jumps up and freaks out like the the first guy seeing a train coming at the screen in like 1900. <laughs> the, uh, the what was it? The Edison train film? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, and I do miss those trailers where or the advertisements where somebody would be sitting in a theater and something would come flying and they would dodge. Oh, oh, oh! It's uh, that shit was funny as fuck. I I I do think that. Um, the 3D used in the movie was done well, and I wish other movies did it similarly. Yeah. But having worked in the industry, um, the industry TM or restricted <laughs> maybe, I don't know which one. Well, now, I mean, some people refer to the porn industry as the industry, so maybe you want to be careful <laughs> how you say that. That's the industry I'm talking about. <laughs> 3D porn. <laughs> Do you remember VR porn? Remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, Yeah, I mean, basically what ended up happening with a lot of 3D stuff was like companies um, wouldn't try to fit 3D into the typical timeline. Like they wouldn't account for it as part of the process. So what ended up happening is like you had companies like the one that I used to work for that would receive a project and it would have some insane unrealistic due date and because the company wants to win the bid they say yes to it basically the 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 customer didn't really have any concept of how long the process takes Mm. and what it would take to do good 3d what ends up happening especially with other some of the other companies that were doing 3d is you would just end up with like a shitty product so if you could in your mind uh it's like you have uh three pieces of paper stacked on one another right and you're just moving in order to create 3d you're placing the pieces of paper at separate distances so you've got the main character on one piece of paper sitting like 
let's say 20 feet in front of the second piece of paper, which is the car they're standing in front of. And then the final piece of paper is the background and they're all sitting at different distances. But in order to create meaningful depth and not make it seem like you're looking at three pieces of paper sitting on top of each other, just moving at separate distances, you have to cut polys basically into people's faces and give depth. So, Now you've got a nose on a piece of paper or a piece of a nose on a piece of paper. You've got cheeks on a different piece of paper. You've got a mouth on a different piece of paper. And you're you're creating different levels of depth with the pieces of paper that you've got on the character. And like the front of the car is a different piece of paper and so on, right? You've got the background and then you've got trees and then you've got whatever, the ground, all this other stuff. So in 3D, uh, you can really cheapen the process by using less pieces of paper effectively instead of having like a nose you've got like instead of having a nose on its own like piece of paper you've now got the nose and the mouth on the same piece of paper or if you want to get really cheap you've got like a face yeah you've got an entire face and then the back of the head is on a different piece of paper but it's on the same piece of paper as the rest of the body so when you're watching it like you have this disconnect you you know that it's supposed to be in 3d but it doesn't map to your understanding of what, well, like depth what actual is. depth is yeah yeah so uh well that's how you cheapen the process and that's how you destroy an industry because a lot of companies had these unrealistic expectations they'd be like yo uh so we decided in a meeting last week that we have to put this movie in 3d uh we're not moving the date though it's yeah. still coming out in june <laughs> oh it's may right now uh oh you can't do it all Okay, so here, you can take this part of the project and we'll give this part of the project to another company. When you used to go see 3D movies and the 3D was inconsistent between scenes, that's because one company did one part and another company did another part. And like you could tell the quality was different. Like I worked at two of the largest ones in the U.S. Um, when, when 3D was the most popular. And the quality at the first place was insane compared to the second place. The second place was like, they they used less pieces of paper at the second company that I worked for. The first company went out of their way to use as many as possible, and it was pretty impressive. Uh, with something like Avatar, though, uh, because most of it is CG, uh, you don't have to do much in post at all. You can you can create depth maps. The way that three D is built is basically you're taking two images and like shifting them. Uh, and then putting on special glasses. So when you look at the image, uh, it looks like one image, but effectively it's just like two, two images overlaid on top of each other. Things that are built in CG, you can basically export the depth map that'll provide like what distance, what parts of the image are supposed to be sitting apart from. You watch the movie and it makes sense because it was all built in 3d with the exception of like, sometimes you have, um, Sam Worthington in the spaceship, uh, floating around with his colleagues or whatever, or you have Giovanni Ribisi playing golf in his office or whatever. Like you have the, those sorts of things happening during the movie where that has to be done in post. There's like, you can build camera rigs to do it, but if you fuck it up, you have to take it to somebody to do it. Yeah. Anyway, that's how 3d worked. It was well done here. Um, at least from what I can remember. Nobody's watching 3D anymore, though. Nobody gives a fuck about 3D. <laughs> did they even put Avatar 2 in 3D? They, yeah, did. they heavily marketed it in 3D, and that was initially one reason why all these naysayers were saying, oh, there's no way that it could make anywhere close to the same amount of money that the first Avatar did, because at the time, 3D was a novelty, you know, when Avatar kicked it off. And nowadays, people 
like me are jaded and don't care. Uh, but they had a bunch of trailers for it that just kind of had like the cinema, like letterbox, kind of the black bars on the top and bottom and saying, come see it in 3d. Look, this flying creature is slightly superimposed (laughs) over one of these black bars of the screen. It's, it's going to look great. You guys, we swear. And apparently that ad campaign worked because it looks sick. Tons of people went out to see it. I really wanted to see it in IMAX just because like it's a roller coaster. It's not a movie. I want the best possible spectacle, but anything that wasn't just the cheap standard 2d did have a 3d component and I just didn't want to deal with wearing the glasses. Um, so people were bullied into seeing it in 3d and I mean, it was still really good. Yeah, I think I think the first movie did a really good job of the tour. Like it's a big, basically tourism. Come to Pandora. Yeah. You'll see the floating mountains. You'll see blue people. You'll see uh, the horrors of capitalism. <laughs> you may or may not develop a mental illness by seeing this movie. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was gorgeous. Right. At the time, seeing it in the theater, I watched it in 3D and 2D at the time, I believe. Uh, preferred it in 2D, but you know can't can't always win. Uh, I saw it in 3D, um, but you know I was younger then, so of course I was more easily impressed. Let's say by those sorts of things. <laughs> or easily parted with your money. Yeah, yeah. The uh, oh, that's only a couple hours of uh, lifeguarding. Great, <laughs> sounds good. Let me go see this movie. Uh, if we want to touch on the story. The movie is effectively like Pocahontas or uh, uh, what runs with wolves dances with wolves, dances with which wolves. I haven't seen, but I know that that association is made more than Pocahontas. Yes. It's meant to be the least offensive story that clearly identifies. See these guys over here doing bad things. They have no redeemable qualities whatsoever. They're the bad guys and all these people getting oppressed by said bad guys they do nothing bad themselves. They're objectively good. <laughs> <laughs> and an interesting association I saw with another another movie that came out uh, somewhere around that time, District 9. I don't know if it came out in the same year, but it was like the same time window of movies that it was interesting that because like they're basically the same story, humans oppressing aliens, but it's so much easier to sympathize with the aliens in Avatar because they basically just look like humans, whereas the aliens in District 9 are just like space lobsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that guy gets turned into a space lobster. Yeah, he slowly mutates over the course of the film. Yeah. They're making a sequel. To District 9? Yeah. It's probably going to be bad, but... I mean, is Neil Blomkamp it. doing it? I think so. That's interesting. Yeah, he's doing it. Is it called District 10? Yes. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. They, they should have gone the other like stupid route and just called it District 9-2. <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess they know what they're doing. I mean, it would have been cooler if they called it like something something completely unrelated, like Space Lobsters. The yeah, and then of- just like reveal it's the sequel to District 9. Yeah. Damn. Like, okay. I I do give Avatar a hard time for no one really caring about it after it came out, but I do have to give like significant, like kind of, you know what, James Cameron, good job because he wanted to make Avatar right after Titanic finished. 
and found that after a little bit of like working on it, the technology wasn't quite there. And then after Avatar comes out and makes all the money in the world, he says, I want to make Avatar too, but the technology still isn't there instead of just cranking out some like dog shit sequel, which he could have easily done. So now 14 years later, when assholes like me are saying, nobody cares about Avatar, he comes out with the second one saying it's ready. The the world is ready to see the conclusion of my vision. And here we go. Avatar is two through five, all greenlit. And I'm sure they're all going to be good too. (laughs) I mean, they'd been, they'd been greenlit, uh, like fucking almost 10 years ago. I remember reading a story about how uh, the studio wanted sequels and like they were planning uh, basically two through six and shooting a bunch of them at the same time because of the age of the children. That makes like a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, They had to shoot two, three and four at the same time. Yeah. They shot two and three simultaneously. So three is done. Um, You know, they just have to like edit it and do all the post processing and stuff. They shot a little bit of four because apparently there's going to be some kind of time jump in it. So they just shot it when they have the kids at the correct age. And then by the time number four is actually getting shot, they'll be kind of like the more appropriate age when it comes to the story. Okay. That makes sense. I guess I to like talk further about the story, I guess of avatar. (laughs) It's basically, uh, the dude comes on a mission to like tame the savages. Well, I mean, that's it's not even for that reason. They just see that there's a valuable resource that they want to harvest. Oh, right. Unobtainium. So, yeah. It, cool name, guys. <laughs> One of James Cameron's, you know, not a strong suit naming naming things. But, or I mean, is it genius? Because genius. the name isn't really important to the story. It's how do I get the idea across that people really want this substance I'll just call it unobtainium. Everyone will instantly know, oh, it's unobtainable except from right here. Yeah, it's never, is it even ever explained what unobtainium is used for? Or well, it's valuable? Uh, in my deep research into fandom.com slash avatar, <laughs> <laughs> it's a superconducting material that people back on Earth use because superconductors are very valuable as it turns out. I don't know what the fuck that means. Make uh, it means, batteries good? Yeah, it, it means when you're transmitting energy from point A to point B, there's no loss to it. So like so the, the efficiency of it is like 100%. You don't oh, lose so there's any. just no resistance. Yeah. It's like the power uh, output from you know whatever power plant, you get that amount no matter where you send it to. That's fucking sick. Too bad it's unobtainable. <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, they, like, they established that pretty early on and that the navi themselves are just like a nuisance that's in the way of them getting more of it and that's why they have like this whole program of well we should get to know people we should get to know the people so that maybe we can get them to stop killing us long enough (laughs) for us to take you know this natural resource that they've got like they established that there was like there was a school and that natiri the love interest uh, went to that school and that's why she like is able to speak English and stuff. They said they do this, all this setup where like this company is the, they're the only ones who managed to get there and it's explicitly not the government so that 
Hell we yeah. To, we don't have to say that the government is bad. It's a private company. And we can always just like point out, well, not all companies are like that, but this one, they're bad. Just like Waylon Yutani <laughs> in James Cameron's other sci-fi movie. Or Cyberdyne or in Cyber. his other sci-fi movie. <laughs> He's really good at making the military not the bad guys, but having military people there anyway. Yeah, yeah. PMCs. I don't know. I, I feel like that's like part of like the political game in, in Hollywood. You don't yeah. want to like alienate people that you might want to use in the future. Right. So you can't just be like, all right, cops suck. You can't make like <laughs> your a cab movie because then cops don't want to like show up on set and you can't shoot things because like there are no cops there for whatever city reason. Haven't you heard about the association between the real life military and real life Hollywood where the military will just give free troops and props and stuff to movies as long as they show the military in a positive way. Yeah, you can use a real tank. Oh, that makes sense. A, a real helicopter and just make us look cool. Yeah, I, mean, I love propaganda. That's uh, That explains a lot of Michael Bay's movies. Michael Bay's whole career. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of just being like, hey guys, uh, we'll make you look cool as shit. <laughs> and that's why there's real helicopters in all of the Transformers movies. And like, in um, Bad Boys, like they have all those like really cool guns and stuff because the government's just like, yeah, well, you can have them. We're like police collaborators, like, yeah, fucking do it, make us look cool. <laughs> the story is just so unimportant in the movie. It really is just like this dumb guy. This, and I think that's a really important part of the movie as well. That Jake Sully isn't some genius. He's just some fucking idiot. Yeah, who got his legs fucked up in a war with Venezuela. He's just like, he's just a guy, right? And I think that goes to the relatability of the character and the situation for people because there's not anything that makes him special other than he was some guy's brother. Yeah, like he doesn't understand anything going on either. So it's not like weird when other characters explain stuff to him. It's established that his brother was was like the guy and now he's fucking dead. So, (laughs) right. I mean, it's yet another piece of evidence of. This is just a ride you're agreeing to come along on. Yeah. He is the perfect audience insert because he has no personality whatsoever. Yeah. And you feel bad for him because he's disabled. So <laughs> that's why he wants to be in his avatar body so much because he can run again. Yeah. And that's good for him. That's fucking sick. Fucking. It is kind of it is like kind of it is well crafted in that way where the details don't matter unobtainium who gives a shit um jake doesn't know anything so we have to tell him everything cool that's he's the audience the surrogate and look how cool this stuff is we get to learn it at the same time he's learning it and we get to see all these cool things then conflict has to happen because that's what movies are that's what a story is but like the conflict doesn't really matter either it's just it just gets escalated for no reason yeah i mean basically there's like a, a big unobtainium deposit at the base of like what is the mother tree yeah. for for the Navi tribe that Jake has inserted himself into. The company is just like, we really need that. Uh, there's no way that we could just look other places on the planet for this. There's uh, a whole planet. There's an entire planet full of this stuff, but this one is like down the street for us. And I think one of the most impressive scenes in either of the movies that have come out is the scene of them doing 9-11 <laughs> to the tree. <laughs> the Navi tribe that Jake is part of, like it's like, it, I assume it's like thousands of people. Thousands yeah, of Navi, seems like it. And they all reside in this tree or in or around this tree, which is like, they have those tentacle things, the, 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 
the tentacle uh, ponytails and uh, they can jack into the tree like it's the Matrix and like get visions from the tree and every animal on the planet, every Navi and a lot of plants also or the mother tree has this like thing that they can jack into. Like their nervous systems are all compatible with each other somehow. It's like this weird convergent like, you know, mutual like evolution thing that happened on Pandora. As opposed to like it, the closest thing that we have to that on Earth is Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a um, is like the development of a central nervous system. Like most things above a certain scale. Like obviously, like insects don't. But like every basically every everything else above insects. Like you know, we put all of our brain stuff in this in a, in this tube, and so that's how it's the best way to put brain stuff is in this tube. And they have, that's what their tail thing, their hair braid thing is like all, all the animals have some appendage that allows access to that kind of interface with their nervous system. Yeah. I have a theory on what they're going to do with the third movie. And this is just pure speculation, but in my head, it's like, this would be a really cool idea. So what do we know about the third movie so far, at least in context with the second movie, they went to kind of like the water part of the planet. Uh, first movie they were at the forest part and uh, each movie is supposed to go to like a new biome and James Cameron's already said we're going to look at some like fire tribes and it's also going to show like the evil side of the Navi because up to this point pretty much all the Navi have been good guys and now he's like you're going to see the dark side of Pandora now so for one obviously the fire Navi are going to be like more warlike you know fire red versus blue like that sort of thing I think they're all going to be black. <laughs> they're just going to be black dudes on fire. <laughs> no, my, my theory for where they're going to take it to like truly differentiate them and how you know that these are bad avatar is they will not have like the head ponytails. So oh. like in sci-fi with like hive mind, you know, higher consciousness type civilizations, there's always like the breakaway group that have like cut themselves off from everyone else. So if we're really going to see like, what is the easiest way to demonstrate that being part of the Pandoran ecosystem is good? Oh, everybody can like interface with everyone else using their ponytail nervous system. So now we're going to have some avatars that don't have that. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know what that would look like practically because then why don't we ever see them elsewhere? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there are hints of it. Maybe maybe there are like hella like fucking um, Easter eggs in the movies and we're just not seeing them. Maybe yeah, I mean, I, you know, we'll we'll come back in like <laughs> 23 months. See if I'm right. That, that'll be, you know, the next episode when we record. Yeah, it, it very well might be. We'll see. We'll see. After they do um, 9-11 to to the tree uh that's when all hell breaks loose they're just like you know what we gotta go we gotta ride on these fuckers and that i mean i don't even remember any of the fight scenes from the first movie they weren't all that interesting they're like jumping from their dragons onto the ships and i think the most impressive thing is like natiri's got like the fucking bow and the arrow huge arrows like the size of a broomstick that's just just putting through motherfuckers yeah one of the things i was thinking about watching when i rewatched the first one in anticipation of the second one is they don't spend a lot because you spend most of the movie with navi 
you don't really get a full sense of scale aside from like that first scene where Jake gets put into the avatar body. And like, there's the human scientists around him. They're like, like crazy small relative to how tall he is. And then you don't really get a, you don't really, they don't establish that scale again until the end when like, you're seeing these arrows. Go Cause like the arrows look normal. They look like normal arrows when a Navi is doing that. But then when like you see a human get hit with it and it's like, Oh, that's fucking huge. <laughs> yeah. And like when, um, Jake is fighting, Miles Stephen Quaritch. Lane. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> In my extensive research into fandom.com slash avatar. When they're fighting, when he's fighting like the big, you know, him and that big mech, you're like, oh shit, he's very, big. like the avatars are very big, but like they, because you don't get to see humans and avatars next to each other very often, you kind of like lose that sense of scale until those moments where like they want it to happen. They do a little bit more in the second one just because like, because of the premise of the second one, but yeah yeah we'll i'm waiting to that on that episode yeah yes. I, i'm waiting to see like a navi get put into a human body because supposedly they're gonna go to earth in like the last movie for fucking what <laughs> in in three or in six uh five five is the last one that we know of I we'll mean, see i'm honestly like i do i think the most impressive part to me is that I mean, granted, it's made a fuckload of money. It's impressive that it's happening. Yeah, honestly, like <laughs> I'm just impre- yeah, I'm Disney impressed. Disney is like rubbing their hands together, thinking like, "Ah, we got a ten billion dollar <laughs> franchise on our hands." And that's a, that's a dub, bro, because yeah. the first two already have grossed uh, like four billion, five. five billion. Yeah, fuck. Plus, like the you know that whole section of the park over in uh, Florida. Well, I mean, I I hope it's way of the water themed. <laughs> That'll save them a lot of trouble. <laughs> Fuck, man. Uh, anything else to say about the movie? There's really nothing to say about the movie. It like, <laughs> it looks cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it, fun. It's impressive, kind of like how forgettable like the fine details of the story are. Yeah. Not just the first one, but like the second one too. But it's like it's executed so well. It's like you know, while you're watching it, you're like it. into it. And then it's over and like you just it's been three hours now. Like you just yeah. Yeah. you just time traveled. Yeah. It's like there's people who say, oh, what movie do you wish you could forget that you saw in order to be able to like see it again for the first time? That's, That's actually, the Avatar movies for me because I forget them every time I see them. <laughs> That's really fucked up because that's the that's the question that I ask people. Yes. On the show. I know you guys don't listen to the show when you're not on it, but that's one of the questions that I ask. What what movie do you wish you could see for the first time again? Actually, you two answer that question. That's Putting good. you on the fucking good spot. Question. I was actually asked that the very first time I was on here. Or no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was like, what do you wish you could have seen in theaters when it first came out? And it was the first Matrix. And that is still my same answer. Oh, yeah. Matrix 4 came out in between this recording it sure did. and the last one. Jesus and boy, Christ. oh, boy, do I have some thoughts about that. None of which are good. We can, we'll can review that. We'll review that. We'll, we'll fucking hold on. I need to make a list. Yeah, of that'll, that'll be an episode. Yeah. No, that'll probably be on the Patreon. That'll be on the Patreon. Big ticket items are going on the Patreon. Um, Jurassic Park, I think. Oh, Jurassic park i think if i could see jurassic park for the first time again that would be uh that would be mine okay how about you the matrix i, I just said <laughs> yeah, oh my, <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> my <bad. laughs> um 
that's a tough question. That's it's either uh I really liked I really, really liked fucking uh aliens, but I think I would I would probably choose the fifth element if I could. Because like just how imaginative that movie is and like how different it is. If I could if I could forget that I ever saw it now yeah. and watch it today, I'd be like Luke Besson is a god. <laughs> Why is it every movie this movie? I, yeah. I actually I saw that for the first time just like six months ago because there was a showing of it in a theater. Oh, shit. I, it, I think it was the first thing I saw in a theater, you know, for a very long time since COVID started. And yeah, the movie was really good. I loved it. But people forgot how to watch movies in theaters because there was a guy like on the phone, like a 10 minute call like early on. Another guy started smoking a cigarette partway through the movie too. (laughs) Insane. (laughs) What theater were you in? Dude, people were wilding when theaters opened up. Like people forgot how to be people. Yeah. There were, I've definitely been in theaters. I always go, I always try to go when there's like less people in a theater. There was this guy, um, in one of the showings I went to, I think it was for the new black Panther or some shit like that. And, uh, this dude was just like shelling pistachios <laughs> it, and it was loud as fuck. This guy's just in the theater, like fuck it. And like eating. Just, it's, it's like, all fucking. <laughs> and he was just, he was going at it. He wasn't stopping. He just like would keep going. It was so weird. Just the loudest snacks possible. And like people, people will, I'm glad they changed the messaging at the beginning of the movie because the old messaging, like from fucking a decade ago was just like, shh, everybody be quiet. But now it's just turn off your phone because they realized that people are in the theater with popcorn fucking maybe they have a deviated septum and can only breathe through their mouth so they're like eating very loudly in the theater or unwrapping things in the theater with this fucking hard plastic you know what i just remembered i i'm no different because i actually saw a movie before fifth element it was batman in theaters and i brought brought your traeger grill i I brought a flask with me into the theater as you should i was like unscrewing it and it was like eat 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 (laughs) See, I just leave it open. And then I have to close it back up. So I was trying to like time it with the action scenes and it was loud. <laughs> That's why this is what you do. You buy one of the sodas, go to the Coke freestyle machine, get one of those uh, diet or sugar-free fucking drink of your choice and just dump the flask in there on top of whatever soda you get. All right. Pro tip for next time. Pro tips. Um the last thing I'll say about Avatar is like in a way that uh, Jurassic Park couldn't, it actually really holds on to the environmentalist uh, uh, messaging throughout the movie. James Cameron feels so strongly about that that apparently he only had vegan food catered for the shooting of Avatar. That's annoying. Yeah, uh, that's a war crime in my opinion. <laughs> I would want to do a nine eleven on Pandora if I had to go through that. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah uh i guess that concludes our review for uh avatar what are we rating it on um on letterboxd we're still using the bright scale <laughs> no no we're using the normal scale we'll have to revisit bright we'll have to re- yeah we'll revisit bright did they ever green light that for bright too uh they did but uh max land has gotten a bunch of trouble yeah. and they kind of they shit canned it all right what are we rating it out five star scale Oh man, I'd, I'd call it like a four and a half. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a solid four for me. All right, 4.25. Can I do two five? No, no. It's got to be. All right, we're going to go with the uh, higher grade, four and a half. It's a four and a half on uh, letterbox. Good for us. High five. Go team. Uh, our next <laughs> segment is No Concessions, where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite media. no concessions let's start with you charlie uh so this is a tv show a series actually a reality series actually (laughs) which is funny because uh just like how i like to hate on marvel movies all the time i hate on reality shows because it's just a bunch of vapid people who want attention and i'm playing into their hands by watching it Uh for the most part they're all like edited really annoyingly and I can't stand it. And everything they have to say is kind of like, you know, way, way down the left side of the IQ bell curve. Like if, you, if you've seen that Wojak bell curve meme of like the guy whose head looks like a hammerhead shark because his eyes are so far apart. That's kind of where like somebody who appears on a reality show would be. And yet I have found a show that just so happens to overcome all my biases against it. It is called Temptation Island. What is Temptation Island? That is a good question. Let me tell you. <laughs> Four couples get spirited away to a Hawaiian island for not quite a vacation, but a test of their relationship. Are the two of them really meant to be? And over the course of a month there, these couples are separated from each other for the entire 30 days with no contact whatsoever. And so you have the four guys in one villa and then the four girls in a separate villa. Here's where the twist comes. 16 singles of each gender (laughs) mixed in live with the split up couples. So the four guys live with 16 single women and the four girls live with 16 single guys and the entire show becomes home records, the reality show. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> How? So every couple episodes or so, there'll be uh, kind of the re-sync up between the hosts of the show and the couples who are there. And so the four guys, it, it might be five guys. I, I don't remember. But Burgers and fries. They, yeah, it's not important. <laughs> they they go to kind of like the you know bonfire area where the host says, "Let me show you what your girlfriend has been up to for the past few days." <laughs> and then they take the worst, most out of context clip of something that their girlfriend <laughs> has done with one of the other single guys that she's living with, and just show him like fifteen second video of it on an iPad. And so it could be something like. Maybe she's having a conversation with a guy and as you're kind of like, as you're watching it, when it happens, it's like in the context of the conversation, it's the girl saying, yeah, I've been with him for so long, but like, you know, sometimes I wonder what life would be like without him, but I really do love him. 
But then when they show the clips of the guy, they just show the clip of, <laughs> you know, I kind of wonder what life would be like without him. <laughs> and then the host says, so tell me, how do you feel about that? <laughs> and then it really takes off if you see one of the people hook up with one of the singles and then that pisses off the other guy who's seeing it. He's like, I'll show her, you know, I knew she never loved me. And then there's like, you know, one of the single girls who's really been flirting with him. And so he'll go and hook up with her. And then the girl will see that and say, I can't, he did what? I'm going to show him. And then she'll try and outdo something that he's done. <laughs> Temptation Island. <laughs> Fucking incredible TV. <laughs> Very salacious. Love it. Love to hear that shit. How about you? If you listen to me talk about movies at any point, um, you'll definitely know what's coming up. It's fucking Sonic 2. Sonic 2 is so good. <laughs> and that's why I didn't mention it earlier. It's because it was my no concessions pick. Sonic 2 rips. It's so much fun. It um, like really delivers on the promise of the first one. I mean, like, hey, we, like, you know what's happening now. Like, Sonic, Sonic exists. Uh, Eggman's here. You guys got it, right? Cool. We're gonna go off the rails. <laughs> this is uh, we're gonna globe trot, get all over the place. Uh, Knuckles is here now, and he's not a dummy. He's just like doesn't understand Earth at all, and so that's where like I feel like one direction to take Knuckles is to portray him as dumb. Um, I think the show Sonic Boom which is based on the awful games, Sonic Boom, The Rise of Lyric, leans in that direction. So weird. Sonic Boom, the show, was weird. Um, we'll have a separate. That'll be a Patreon episode as well when I just <laughs> ramble at the two of you about <laughs> Sonic Boom, the show, because it's also kind of incredible. But they, all the characters are characterized in like a way that I think works. Everyone's clearly enjoying what they're doing. It looks really good. Like The special effects are really good considering that three of the main characters are talking animals um, that had, they did make a point to have stand-ins in all the shots. And I think that's why they like, don't look really floaty and weird except when they're supposed to be, you know, actually flying, but um, it rips. It's super fun. Um, if you haven't seen Sonic or Sonic two fucking see them in it's tight 90, you're going to have a good time. Uh, you know my favorite part about Sonic? Mm. Interracial relationships. Yeah, but he... <laughs> I mean, he, Tom is a cop, and so obviously that's a problem, but then he's like not anymore, so... <laughs> they just remove that from the movie. Yeah, by the, well, by, the end, by the end, he's like, you know what, I'll just stay in our small town instead of moving to San Francisco, and then he's like, it's not important that he's a cop anymore in the second one. He <laughs> was like, yeah, we have our weird blue kid now, and he just showed up with another more weird kids and we're just we're a family now and we're a black woman and a white man you gotta deal with it america <laughs> oh shit that's really good um my no concessions pick is uh negative no concessions i'm not trying to hear it at all ever for the unbearable weight of massive talent that movies suck shit this movie is for people who still like chuck norris memes it's like, ooh, did you know Chuck Norris um, uh, was the one who gave all the cocaine to the bear just so he could fight it? I don't know. Uh, but it's it's a Nick Cage movie about him being Nick Cage. And, like, 
him hanging out with a cartel boss played by uh, Pedro Pascal, and they form a genuine friendship because, uh, oh, what do you know? Nick Cage is wacky, but in real life, he's a loser. His family doesn't love him. It's like we know that already. Yeah, right? It's like oh, fucking hilarious. And it's supposed to be like uh, tongue-in-cheek or whatever. It's supposed to be funny, but it's just obnoxious and annoying. Nick Cage playing uh, the version of Nick Cage that has been internetized is not fun. It's annoying. Yeah, it's um, it's similar to how I feel about uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. It, that movie is actually a movie that's well crafted and all that, but it it gives me a similar level of annoyance watching it because this movie, like both of these movies, are made for specific types of people who like that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I'm just not that person. <laughs> I hate like anything that's like, oh my God, random. Oh, it's random. <laughs> or like anything that's too on the nose just annoys me. Yeah. Like blind. It's like, it's like um, something is tap dancing on my neurons and like <laughs> specifically getting like this fucking awful reaction from me. I'm sure there are people out there that love this movie that really enjoy it. It just seems like it, it's like self-indulgent in a way that's not fun for me. It reminds me of do you remember like on the Wii or the Wii U maybe they had that little thing where you could make your own music yeah uh with the Mies there was somebody made this song which was uh incredible uh I'm sucking my own dick yeah and tell, uh tell me about your life on the DS there we go <laughs> yeah that's that song right there that's that's what I think that movie is <laughs> it's like it's like whoever wrote I'm sure Nick Cage didn't like. It's not something he wrote or was like specifically enthused about, but like it's just it's so fucking it's just so bad uh, and annoying to watch. All right, well that that concludes this episode. Uh, you guys want to plug anything? Yeah, listen to our podcast, the Media Play News podcast. Uh, if you happened to catch it very early on when we were just starting, and you stopped listening because it was boring because it was just Charles reading you know, review copy from the site. We actually go off script a lot more now. Yeah, it's an actual show now. It's not just me reading uh, articles verbatim. <laughs> yeah, that, that was our like experimental phase. And we actually put, you know, the some amount of work into it now. Okay. We could put more work in. But you don't. No, we put in enough for it to be listenable by this point. Oh, yeah. Good for you guys. Congratulations on the new show, gentlemen. Thanks. All right, bye. Bye. bye.